appreciate that. My grandson's running around here someplace with the other half of this shirt. It says, broke it. Let's fix it. Yeah. <laughs> it's just something that they got, and today was the day to wear it. That's, yeah, I've been waiting, yeah, for us to coordinate with that. <laughs> Amen. Um, again, a declaration before I share the word. As the snow and rain fall from heaven, Isaiah 55, do not, re and re do not return until they have accomplished their purpose, soaking the earth and causing it to sprout with new life, life, providing seed to sow and bread to eat. So also will be the word that I speak. It does not return to me unfulfilled. My word performs my purpose and fulfills the mission I sent it out to accomplish. So I, I would encourage you... Um, Keep your prophetic words alive. Um, the word of God has that power on us, um, and um, it has an effect on us, just the word it, it does. And then when it's anointed, when there's anointed uh, speaking verbiage, uh, then that has power to change us and transform us. And then our prophetic words, the things the Lord has spoken over us, um, don't let those die. Don't let those. Um, don't let those become dormant. Um, there's a new song. I have to get the song put together. I think um, um, Brandon Lake is is doing a song right now. Um, somebody else probably wrote it. What's the name of it? Um, I won't give up on you. Is that a song? Yeah, and it's about the Lord. He gives us these words and promises, and He's like. I give these to you, like, don't make sure you pay attention to the answers and how I'm trying to help you, and uh, don't we just go our way, and the Lord's reaching out to us constantly, trying to bring uh, answers and direction and deliverance and, and all of that stuff, and um, we're just busy and worrying and um, ready to give up on, on what he has promised, but don't do that, hang in there. I have been um, sharing on faith, and let's, uh, the chapter 11 of, of Hebrews, and just going through this, there's so much in it, and I'm going to pick up today in verse uh, 32. And what more could I say con to convince you? For there is not enough time to tell of the faith of Gideon. Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, the prophets, through faith's power, they conquered kingdoms and established true justice. Their faith fastened onto their promises and pulled them into reality. So the real reality is when the supernatural, when what the Lord has promised comes into reality, that comes into being or manifest, that's the real uh, that's the real thing. And there is this necessity for those things to be embraced, touched with our faith, that our, our faith fastens to those promises. So faith isn't a, an isolated like aura that just is over on the corner. It is 
it is something that has to fasten to something. It, it fastens or, it, or it's, it's not anything. That would be, uh, was it just last week that I shared about faith without works? With, without the manifestation, without putting that into motion, it's just a feeling. It's just a sense. But what we hear from the Lord Faith says, I'm going to act on that. I'm going to walk that out. The Lord said to go. So faith enables you to take steps and it manifests by you walking it out, by you saying yes, by you uh, uh, obeying or following some simple uh, action, as simple as it may be. And all of these people of faith that get, get to get in this book, which it's amazing who makes the list. They're they are people that they believe something, but it didn't stop there. They believe something and they acted on that, risking their lives to act on that. And so we cannot expect to be so neutral sometimes as we are, unengaged. Like any promise of the Lord will 99% of the time require an action from you or a response. Without the response, you can say you have faith, but it's, it's actually dead. It's not activated. It's that seed that you put in the ground and it germinates and comes back. Until, until it gets in the ground and moisture comes on it and it is surrounding it, does it, does it spring forth? It can sit on a shelf for a long time and not do a thing. Look, I've got seed. <laughs> Look at my seed. This is really expensive seed. This is great seed. In this seed is a, is a tree, is a plant, or vegetables, or food. But that seed without putting, being put into the ground doesn't produce anything. Unless the seed dies, springs forth in life. So our faith has to be fastened to something and it gets fastened to the promises. So I've been, how many of you have been intimidated by some of the promises and the prophetic words that you get from the Lord? Like, they can become a bitter thing. Like, don't, isn't this the worst? You guys, don't make promises you're not going to keep. You hear that feeling, you know? Like, I, a lot of people guard their hearts. They're afraid to believe something because of disappointment, the fear of disappointment. But, let something else motivate you, the possibility of it never happening because you don't believe. Let that bother you mostly. Let that bother you. You don't want to arrive at heaven and see all these unfulfilled things that you were destined to do. I don't know that, that the Lord would do that to us. It'd probably be too much to bear. But It's, it's the things that you act on. It's the saying yes and then walking in that direction. It was faith, so using this and going on, it was faith that shut the mouth of lions. And that's the next, the next phrase here in, in the scripture. It was faith that shut the mouth of lions, put out the power of raging fire, like for Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. The fire was there, but the power was put out. They didn't burn in that fire. And caused many to escape certain death, certain death by sword. Although weak, their faith empowered, imparted power to make them strong. F 
faith sparked courage within them, and they became mighty warriors in battle, pulling armies from another realm into the battle array. Faith filled, and I'm going to stop there. I didn't mean to go on. Um, this shows up in uh, Judges 7, I believe. And it's the story of uh, Gideon. And I, I won't read through the whole chapter. It's like the story is, is, the, is the chapter. And it begins by, by Gideon being sent. And um, the Lord says this terrible thing. No leader wants to hear these words from the Lord. There are too many people with you. Yeah, you don't want to hear that. You know, We work hard at gathering people, right? And the Lord's like, oh, the church is too big. You need to shrink it down. You sure? Like, I'm not hearing right. But, but he had a very specific reason. He says, I don't want Israel to say we delivered ourselves. This is important. They need to know that I'm the one. I'm the provider. And so, yeah, that's a whole, that's a whole subject in itself. It's like, be careful when you're pursuing bigness for bigness or more for more. I've heard people that have talked about wealth and finances, and they literally say this, you need to make a decision about what is enough. Because a man, if he sets himself to just gaining wealth, he can gain wealth. That will be what he does. But at what point is it beyond what you need or want or that's good for you? What, what's your vision? The wealth by itself is, is nothing. So there, there needs to be destiny and purpose. And what's the goal? And so the Lord says to him, too many people, too many men with you. And so he's like, okay. He turns around and says, okay, everybody that's afraid and nervous about this situation as we go up against the enemy, you can leave. Well, a good, um, how many, 10,000 left? Was it that many? <laughs> no, no. It says, no, I'm wrong. I think 10,000 stayed. It was 22,000 that left. <laughs> Verse 4, but the Lord said to Gideon, the people are still too many. Bring them down to the water, and I will test them for you there. Then it will be that of whom I say to you, this one shall go with you. The, uh, and of whomever I say to you, this one shall not go with you. The same shall not go. Now, understand, this whole process takes a tremendous amount of faith. Faith in the unseen as we keep going over. In order for Gideon to walk this out, he had to have faith that God will, would do what this is, this is our hope in all numbers, extra money, like a lot of resources. If we're going to go into something, we want to be prepared. Are you ready? Yeah. It's like, yeah, I've got stuff with me. I've got people with me. I've got backup. And the Lord's asking him to do something to get rid of all that confidence, get rid of all that security. So he brought the people down to the water, and then we have this thing where, where he was to observe. The men that drank like, like lapped the water out of their hands, they got water and drank this way. They were the ones he was to separate over here, and the ones that put their face down to the water, they were, all went over there. And it was only 300 that did this, lapped, drank water out of their hand, which would be kind of a slow process. We're like big gulfs, right? Like, give me a glass, a big glass, and, you know. And so that was the identifying thing. You can make more out of that than there is. I don't know whether it's a big deal about how a person drinks water or not, you know. <laughs> I don't know if there was a, something special about that. But here's the point. The Lord's like, 
This is how I want, I want you to get down to the fewest amount of people. 300, okay, we'll go with that. And that 300 went on a crusade with Gideon on a, an adventure that was hopeless, actually. They were up against the army. And again, before the Lord even asked him to do that, and the Lord's kind to us when we're having unbelief. Do you know that? If you're struggling with unbelief, like, don't be condemned about it. The Lord's like, would like to encourage you. Here, let me give you something to encourage your heart before you go into this thing. So he, sent, he says, take, take your servant. The Lord knew the name of his servant. I just found that funny reading that again. Take, um, everybody needs a servant like this or someone. Pura. pura. Take, take Pura with you. And go into the enemy's camp and spy on them. Listen. And in there, they hear the enemy talking about Gideon's army. Like they were afraid. He came back like, I'll be. Like, no way. They, they're afraid of us. They're, they're already in fear of us. And I think I talked about that when we were talking about Jericho. Like, the fear of the people was on them. They, they knew what was coming. They'd heard the stories. Good news travels fast. Bad news travels faster. You know, there's an enemy in our land, and they're, the sea stands up for them. Like, we're cooked. How do you stand up against a people, a mass, a multitude that are coming in that, in that power? God's with them. And um, so they, they go, they, they proceed in this. And uh, let me try to pick up where, oh, thir verse 13. When Gideon had come, there was a man telling a dream, his companion, companion. He said, I have had a dream. To my surprise, a loaf of barley bread tumbled into the camp of Midian. It came to a tent and struck it so that it fell and overturned and the tent collapsed. Then his companion answered and said, huh, I know what that is. I got that interpretation. This is nothing else but the sword of Gideon, the son of Joash, a man of Israel. Into his hand God has delivered Midian and the whole camp. And so it was when Gideon heard the telling of the dream and the interpretation that he worshipped, that he worshiped, he returned to the camp of Israel and said, Arise, for the Lord has delivered the camp of Midian into your hand. Now, this was the same Gideon that kept needing reassurance. And I taught on this a while back. He kept asking the Lord for signs, right? Lord, if you're with us, like, why, why are we be defeated all by all of our enemies? Now, they were violating all kinds of things. They were worshiping idols. They weren't obeying the Lord at all as a people. But Gideon still had the nerve to ask God, like, why are we, why are we being defeated by our enemies? And, and he says, if you're with us, give me a sign. He gave him a sign. Remember the fleece? Dew on the fleece. No dew on the ground. And then he got that one. He goes, um, let's go two for nothing. You know, like, let's try this again. Now, I didn't get burned for that request. I got an answer. I'm going to go for two. And it was the same thing. Only this time, let the fleece be dry and the ground be, or however that worked. So he got his two signs. And I, we always kind of look at that like, oh, Gideon, he didn't have any faith. Like, he kept needing the Lord to reassure him. You know what? When you're up against something big, you want assurances. Unless you're, you know. That wasn't the problem with God. It wasn't the problem with him. He's like, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll give you these signs. I want your faith to be up here. I'm going to help you with that. I'm going to give you signs to demonstrate so that when you go, you go in confidence. Later, when Gideon got rolling, oh, my gosh, he was a, a force. 
He'd make the Marvel movies look boring. He was. He was, wow. He, he went in a massive, great amount of power, and he took out things and people and kings and just, yeah. So he divided the 300 into three companies. They go up, they fill their pitchers and the swords and the pitchers and the, and the, um, the torches. And at the right time, they break them all. And um, in this thing, it says, let me find the, the verse. Um, when I blow the trumpet, I, I and all who are with me, then you also blow the trumpets on every side and the whole camp and say, the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. So Gideon and the hundred... And the hundred men who were with him came out of the camp in the beginning of the middle watch, just as they had posted the watch. And they blew the trumpets and broke the pitchers that were in their hands. Then the three companies blew the trumpets, broke the pitcher, and they held the torches in their hand, hand, left hands and the trumpets in their right hands for blowing. And they cried the sword of the Lord in Gideon. And every man stood in his place all around the camp, and the whole army ran and cried out, and, and fled. When the 300 blew the trumpets, the Lord set every man's sword against the companion, his companion throughout the whole camp, like chaos broke out in the camp, and the army fled um, all the way back to Beth um, places I can't pronounce very well. <laughs> when Brian Simmons is writing about this in the Passion Translation, his, his notes are in, in referencing that situation says, uh, although most translate the cause, causing this enemy to flee, the Greek literally means wheeling ranks drawn up in battle order, ranks which belong to another. The implication is that through their faith, angelic warriors wheeled into battle formation ready to fight with them in battle. So there's an indication here that was... A, their action of faith, 300 men against a, a big multitude, doing this silly thing, holding a torch and blowing a trumpet. Those aren't weapons you take to war, right? We know that. When they did that in faith, they called angelic warriors from another realm into that place which explains the utter confusion and the terror that was on this group of people. I mean, I've never experienced the presence of angels, of an angel. I hear it's a scary situation. I can prove that because every visitation we see in the Bible, the first thing the angel has to say is, don't freak out. <laughs> Fear not is the, you know, Christianese term. Like, I know this is freaking you out right now. Just calm down. Just calm the heck down. I'm, I'm, I'm just an angel sent by God. You're, I'm going to protect you. not destroy. So, you know, there's a presence there that's fearful. And so how interesting. There's more to that when we walk. Who knows what we do? We walk in faith. We were at prayer this Monday, and there was a report that, 70-mile winds were coming at us, were coming our way, the forecast. So in our prayer meeting, half a dozen people, I don't know how many were here on Monday night, and we specifically prayed and we asked for a 50-mile, because Phyllis, 
We had just had that windstorm come through on the Wednesday night before. Yeah. And just nothing, not big damage, just big mess, you know? Like you spend, I was busy with something. Phyllis did a lot of the cleanup. And it's like, there's branches and stuff, debris all over. Well, the thought of that and another windstorm coming, just, just that alone was like, no, because we have a yard full of trees and oaks and maples and whatever. So like, no, don't want that again. So we pray for this protection of a 50-mile radius of here. Worcester got lamb blasted, which is how, 52 miles away from here? And we, we didn't get anything, like just nothing. It didn't materialize. So, just saying. We don't know what actually is happening in the heavenlies when we pray. And when we pray believing we may not see at the time. We may not get to know until we're watching the movies in eternity. Hey, you guys want to see something awesome? That time when you were, you know, back in 2022, look, here's the rest of the picture. We'd be like, whoa, you know, angels on the rafters. You know, who knows? We just don't know. Lots of fun, huh? I mean, this is... Uh, this is the reality. That's the reality. This is just life, you know. We have to switch up our understanding. There is a reality that created us. So every time you look at God creating the heavens and the earth, he did it with a word, not a formula, not a machine. He did it with a spoken word because the reality spoke us into existence. The reality is still a living, dynamic force wanting to deliver us in, in every way. Oh. Watch him, I'm watching my timer on the back wall and the clock on the back wall. Um, anyways, I don't want to belabor this. So there was a lot to all these situations of faith, people obeying and walking, and then we're wanting faith for healing and faith for things. It, it begins with just walking and doing. It's, it begins with simple things. Do simple things. Obey what you, what you hear, what you believe, and let the Lord, he wants to build our faith. And... Uh, Start with the small. Don't look at the small as being insignificant. Every answer you get to prayer bolsters your faith. I told the story of how uh, Jason and I were washing the golf cart in front of the house one day, and a, the large pileated uh, woodpecker came and uh, hit our front window, as the birds often do. They think they see the sky and the trees and don't realize there's, you know, pain glass there, bam. And... Um, he hit it as we were right there, bam, hit it hard, and he went down on the ground and just knocked him silly, and it wasn't moving, and they're big, they're very big, and, and so Jason's been being and watching, and I was holding him back, and I said, let's, let's begin to pray, and so we pray, and we make declarations, and we start saying things like, fly, you will fly again, you will fly again, Jason's standing beside me, fly again, fly again, you know, we're doing these, we sing a song over it, we sing, I raise a hallelujah, and we're, we're just doing things, and I'm just trying, like, like, to just do things, not, not, you know, Lord, I pray, the Lord, just like, that the, but taking authority, and standing in my position, and, and, 
and teaching him. And he happened to walk away a little bit later. We went back to washing the golf cart and, and, uh, and whatever. And uh, all of a sudden, it just jumped up and flew and jumped up in the tree and climbed up the tree and was, and it's still flying around. Yeah. So you do these little things. So yesterday he saw, or the day before, he saw a dead mole in the, in the you know, in the window, um, what do you call, in the window well there on the front of the house. You know, and he looks at Phyllis Mimi, you know, like, you know, let, let, let's pray. You know, she wasn't feeling that. She's like, some things are left better dead. I'm like, oh, I'm glad you're the one that got that question, not me. I would not have wanted to, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Women saw their dead raised and resurrection power. Um, again, this is, this is the power of testimony and reading scripture. Um, uh, so let me find this as well and read through the story quickly. Um, Second Kings. They must have moved kings in my Bible. Here it is. <laughs> they, they. Second Kings chapter 4. And uh, in verse 8, it's, it's this, uh, this woman that uh, I believe it's Elisha. Is, yeah, Elisha is the prophet. It comes. Happened one day that Elisha went to Shunem where there was a, a notable woman, and she persuaded him to eat some food. So it was, as often as he passed by, he would turn in there to eat some food. So they end up making him a room in an upper place with a lampstand, a neat little place for him when he was passing through. He could come and stay and be refreshed and ha have a place. And because she acknowledged, she recognized that he was a prophet. So all this happens, and he wants to give her a gift, and he prays she doesn't have a child. And her husband's old, and she doesn't have a child, and it's a big deal. And so he prays, and she's, she conceives and has a child. And then a little later, the child, so it was like, this time next year, you'll, have, you'll embrace a son. She goes, no, my Lord, man of God, do not lie to your maidservant. There's that thing again. Don't lie to me. Don't be getting my hopes up and then drop me, you know. But the woman conceived and bore a son, when the appointed time had come, of which Elisha had told her, and the child grew. Now it happened one day that he went out to his father to the reapers, and he said to the father, My head, my head. So he said to the servant, Carry him on out, carry him to his mother. When he had taken him and brought him to his mother, he sat on her knees till noon and then died. And she went up, and I'm in verse 21 of chapter 4 laid him on the bed of the man of God, shut the door upon him, and went out. And then the story proceeds. Uh, when she finds, she gets on her donkey and has her servant take her. She goes to Elisha, and uh, Elisha, she, she was weeping. She goes, um, now when she came to the man of God of the hill, she caught him by the feet, but Gehazi, his servant, came near to push her away, but the man of God said, let her alone, for her soul is in deep distress, and the Lord has hidden it from me and has not told me. So he said, did I ask a son of my Lord? Did I not say, do not deceive me? Don't mess with me. Don't break my heart. Like, don't, don't do this. 
Then he said to Gehazi, get yourself ready and take my staff in your hand and be on your way. And so Gehazi did that. He ran with the staff, took it where the child was laying, put the staff on him. Then he comes back and reports, nothing happened. So Elisha comes, and this is a story where Elisha comes into the room, and he lays prostrate on the child. Bizarre. But when you're raising the dead, I think sometimes you just have to do the bizarre. You, have to, you, you, know, you shut the door, and you go, no one's watching, and this has got to happen. He prostrates himself out across the child, and again, but nothing happens. Would you continue on? After all of that. So he gets up and he does what we do. He paces. He's walking in that room praying. And he comes back a second time, prostrates himself on that child this time. He returned, walked back and forth in the house, and again went up, stretched himself out on him. Then the child sneezed seven times. I don't know what the issue was up with that. I don't know what that was about. And the child opened his eyes. Boing, I'm back. Women of faith, she had the ability to recognize the prophet in the first place. And she, off, she made a place for him. Sometimes you do these things, she made a place for him. And then she got very blessed because she did that. And then the son that she has dies, but she's still a woman of faith. She gets up on her donkey and goes riding and finding that prophet. And grabs a hold of his feet and like, I'm not letting go. Like, I, I want, I want what that, that was all faith. It was, looked like the desperate craziness of a woman in despair that lost her child, right? But God sees it as faith. It was, it was her faith. She, that's where she went. And she, she grabbed a hold of that. And in the end, she got her miracle. Faith fastened itself to the promise. Wow. Faith fastened itself to the promise. That's the kind of faith it takes for the miracles that we, we need to see and that people need to see and experience and have. Faith, our faith, needs to fasten itself to the promise. That is an aggressive uh, action. That's not passive. That's not sitting in church holding your hands and singing a nice song. That, that is, that, that's aggressive. That might look uncomfortable even. Faith fastening itself to the promise where you lay, you lay hold of it and you, you forget your hairdo and you forget all the other things you fuss about. You forget your finances. You forget how you look, how you appear. Someone might post it on Facebook. You just, it doesn't matter. Faith is going to fasten itself to the promise and you aggressively grab a hold and, and, and move towards that. Again, an action. It's not a, it's not a passive faith. It's an active faith. It's the faith that, faith that goes, oh no, not here, not now, not this time. This time, I'm getting my promise. This time, the miracle's coming. This time, healing is coming. And uh, 
that that is the in the end of this chapter it's it's like all of these people suffered and were persecuted and all the things they went through until they could come to faith's fullness and they will not even see the fullness of their faith in many situations in this bible stories they're going to see the fullness with us and join with us there's a culmination of all that coming coming together i don't know what exactly that looks like but this passage of scripture is very clear that it's 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 not separate from us they died without seeing the fulfillment of many of the things but we are all going there's a culmination of this coming together that they with us the cloud of witnesses that have gone before us we're all going to see this power this manifestation of things happening of the Lord coming and of the whole earth seeing the Lord's power, seeing who he is. Let's pray today. Oh, Father, just I ask that you bless this Father's Day in our culture, in our midst. We thank you for our fathers. Thank you for all that you've done for us. We thank you most of all for you being our Father and for the relationship of Father that we get to enjoy through your Son, Jesus. So, Father, stir up our faith, stir up our belief, create the tenacity in us. And, and like this song that we sang today, let us come alive in you. If there's dullness of heart, we repent from it, we ask you to make us alive. If our faith has been waning, we ask that it will start waxing, that it will start increasing. If we're lacking in things, provide seed to the sower, bread for us to eat. We just ask you and bless you for all of that. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Day, everybody.